You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Jamie Dumont. I'm Rob Russo. I'm Jennifer Samard. And this is The The Fabulous Fabulous Invalid. Hi. Oh, I've been saying hi, guys, on the show like every week. Oh, really? You know, I'm the one who made this big announcement that we shouldn't be saying hi, guys, because it's... You've it's said this before. Right? Haven't, we, haven't I, we talked about this? We have talked about this. A friend of mine told me to stop saying that because oh. it made her feel less like, um, like I identified or or, yeah. or, or, or or marginalized, and it got me thinking because I don't I don't think of hey guys as, as being that. But then she sent me this really interesting article, and we had a conversation about it, and I was like, oh, you know what? I hear what you're saying, so right. I'm going to start over, and okay. I'm going to say, hi everyone. Hello. Hello. <laughs> What's going on? I have so many things. So many things. So um, many things. Where to begin? I don't know. Uh, Jennifer, you had something you wanted to bring up, I thought. Oh, well, I read that. It's a little uh, last week or a few weeks ago now, but that there was that article in the New York Times about those two charming gentlemen mm-hmm. who um, uh, left the um, Javits Center when it looked like the tide was turning uh, during the election in 2016 and literally ran across town to the Trump party. And I I read the whole article, but that part was, to me, the most telling because it, it signaled to me a lack of actual, in my opinion, a lack of, a lack of actual vision and values. It seemed very, uh, very much like a mercenary. It seemed like what Kellyanne Conway does. Like, mm. I'm gonna sell out my <laughs> right. services to the highest bidder and uh, I just, I thought it was... Um, Seems a little like what Trump does, too, quite I don't frankly. know, but I just thought, wait a minute. You just, you just want to be attached to a winner? Is that, that's your value system. Right. I, yeah. I didn't read the article too carefully. What are their names? Did, what are their... Uh, Bill White and Brian Urey. Okay. Did yeah. they give a reason for why they jumped ship so quickly? Oh, I, I, I forget the exact phrase in the article, but it was like, oh, this was just so like, sad and pathetic, so we wanted to go over and to the other party, you know? And they're a couple, correct? A couple, yes. A gay couple. Mm-hmm. What? And one of them... <laughs> I don't understand. Wrap your head around that. Yeah, the, I know. The, I don't understand uh, the gay Republican. But one of them was Republican. Yes, yeah, so well, that, that, that was the other misleading thing about the, the headline of the article. was like, you know, two liberal activists, you know, become the biggest Trump supporters in New York City, when in reality, half the couple is like a staunch conservative Republican. Was so, like raised okay, like so the, so the conservative, conservative gay Republican yeah. who was that when he walked in... Yeah. To 
to the Hillary rally, right? Yeah. He was supporting Hillary, correct? Yes, yes. So that's also dubious, right? So he he just sort of, I mean, was he supporting Hillary for the, I want to elect the first woman president, or? Right. Um, well, to Jennifer's point, it, it seems like their whole thing was just a social status thing, right? Like, they love being in the room with powerful people, so it doesn't matter to them what the actual you know, substance of the, the the policy might be, but just oh yeah, we wanna we wanna be with Trump because he won. Well, they're scumbags. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just uh, wish them a very merry Christmas and a happy New Year. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Really like to brunch with them. Yeah. Well, I will say, like, I'd like a nice brunch. <laughs> I just saw Carolina Change, uh, which is one of my favorite musicals in London, and the cathartic number in that show is called Lot's Wife. If you've ever listened to it, listen to it. Um, but the final line of it is, don't let my sorrow make evil of me. And that line struck me like it never has before, sitting in the theater. Mm. And so you know what? Merry Christmas to Bill and Brian, because I'm not going to let my sorrow, my anger, make evil of me, and I'll let what they do speak for itself. Love it. Bill and Brian are their names? Mm-hmm. They can go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Merry fucking Christmas. Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> This week, we are joined by Bonnie Milligan, who is currently making her Broadway debut as Princess Pamela in Head Over Heels, a role that she created at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in 2015 and repeated at San Francisco's Curran Theater last summer. A graduate of The Ohio State University and a veteran of Off-Broadway, the Kinky Boots National Tour and New York's vibrant cabaret scene, we are delighted to welcome Belting Bonds to the fabulous envelope. <laughs> Thank you for Hi. having me. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Bonnie. You? I'm good. I'm good. Hello. Hello. <laughs> coming down. Before we get started with the hard-hitting questions, Uh we usually ask some sort of, I always say, and I say this every single time that I say this, (sighs) we ask some silly questions, but they're not really that silly, so I don't know why I say that, but um, (laughs) what relaxes you? What do you do to chill? Oh, um, I mean, it depends on the day, but I, I kind of like a good like a Netflix moment or like a like a beat Bobby Flay on Food Network, you know, kind of a you don't have to think about it kind of a show. Oh, have you just binge watched any series on Netflix, for example? I've been doing well, I've been doing season two of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Don't you love I've it? Been, yes. Don't you want a guest star? Yes. With me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wait, who do we pitch this to? I like, don't know. But hey there, listeners, we're available. <laughs> Thank you. We scream 1950s. <laughs> we scream. Anyway. Exactly. Well, this is sort of like that, but what do you do to recharge your battery? I think I think you you might have just answered it by by saying streaming, but yeah, I mean, I, I like quiet time, just kind of coming home, lighting a few candles. But I have like those little fairy copper um, lights that you know get on Amazon or whatever. I put them up for Christmas last year, and then I never took them down because it's giving you, like, a cute mood lighting moment <laughs> yeah. as opposed to the giant, like, fan on the ceiling. Um, and I just sort of wind down and I'm quiet and yeah. relax. Resting that gift of yours, your beautiful voice. Thank you. But candles, I would say to people, little tea lights, it's the cheapest, most luxurious thing you can do for yourself to change the mood, yeah. you know, and, and calm yourself down. Yeah. Yeah, scented candle. I'm a big yeah. scented candle yeah. fella. Like, I, I will travel with a small little one even because I just, it's something about how scented candle just makes me feel like the world is yes. okay. Bonnie, what's the best piece of advice you've been given? The best piece of advice I've been given? One of them I remember was like, <clears throat> I mean, it sounds kind of harsh, but I took from it what I could, was there's always going to be someone 
just as talented as you, if not more, but there are few people that can outwork you. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I took that as like stay humble and work hard and like be a good person. Um, because people don't want to work with jerks. So that's <laughs> one thing I kind of like always took in was just like, know what you're good at, don't get too big of a head on your shoulders and just work really hard. Speaking of one of the most humble, beautiful people we both know, can we just talk for a second about Rachel York and how much we love her? I love her so much. I know you do. You're dressing roommates, yeah, right? Yeah, we're we, roommates. We did Disaster together. Yes. I don't know if people know, she's for someone who's so glamorous and truly so renowned and talented, she has to be truly my top three nicest people I've ever worked no, with. No, really. Correct. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. She's so really nice, special. so kind, um, is like so welcoming to everybody right off the bat and mm -hmm. is just like, she does not have an ego in the room and she's brilliant. I mean, she's Rachel York. Come on. <laughs> and you yeah. and you get to be roomies, right? Yeah. Oh, I love spend, that. like Thanksgiving together. We're like, pal. I know. And you had like a facial mask <laughs> disaster. Did. Can you tell us about that? Well, we put on, you know, those little masks that you get, you know, at the dollar store or something that, you know. Like the, the peel and stick. The little peel and stick. Yeah, exactly. And then she was like, we should also try this like charcoal toothpaste for teeth whitening. I was like, great. And we did it like after we put the masks on. So it was a mess. She just had like charcoal all over. And we just could not stop you did. laughing. You, you looked like Death Eaters. We looked like sudden. Death Eaters. Like we were <laughs> eating amazing. souls. Charcoal yeah. toothpaste seems counterintuitive. Like it seems like it would do the opposite of what it's supposed to do. Yeah, I don't know that I saw a lot of results, but maybe <laughs> you're supposed to like use them a lot. So I, you I was know what? Like, cool. I'm a teeth whitening failure, so I did the whole thing where you you know you put the you know you, you go to the dentist and they do the yeah. things and yeah. you can't eat anything but white colored food, which yeah. is horrible for three days. <sighs> and I didn't I didn't I didn't didn't I, it's not that it didn't work. I couldn't personally see a difference. Yeah, I, like I thought it was such a waste of time and energy. But yes. I'm also not an actor and I don't, you know, nobody cares if my teeth are yellow. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. True. Yeah. Anyway, well, on that note, on that note yeah. <laughs> good transition, right? Uh, well, getting into more of the, the serious sort of substantive stuff. Um, you obviously are noted, celebrated for your incredible voice. So yeah. I have to ask, starting, yeah. you know, from there, when did you discover your voice or was singing a part of your Childhood, how did it come yeah, about? Yeah, I was always a singer. Um, my parents met when my dad was the new lead singer of the Southern Gospel Group my mom was the pianist for. <laughs> that tells you a lot right yeah. there. Um, and so my dad was a preacher, and when I grew up, I um, basically sang as soon as I could talk, and they put me up in front of the church. Um, and my, I have a brother who's five years older, and he has a great voice, but it was never for him. He was always like, whatever. And I was immediately like, yes. I remember like I was five years old, and I got to sing the verses of the song that my family like came in on the choruses, and I was like, mm-hmm, this feels right. Yeah. Remember what song? <laughs> it was something like, don't you be doing that church hop. <laughs> wait, wait, what a title. Wait. Pause. Okay. Um, what kind of church is this? Oh, Lord. Um, Christian, but, like, we went to lots of different kinds of denominations. Like, my dad would, like, guest at, like, lots of, which is funny because we were essentially doing a church hop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Literally like, this Don't song. Don't you be doing that church hop. Like, I don't really know. Well, that's yeah. great. Can this be I on can... your, like, debut solo album? Yeah, right. Like, maybe. <laughs> Extra track. Bonus yeah. track. Bonus Where track. in the South Bonus is track. this? What? Where in the South is this? Well, uh, 
I mean, central Illinois. It's the Midwest. <laughs> oh, I'm an yeah. Illinois boy. Decatur. Oh, Winnetka, a little further north. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, everyone does that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, just like farmland. Yeah. Like, I have a slight draw from where I'm from, and everybody's like, oh, you're from the south? And I'm like, no, just, I mean, kind of. You go to the rural part of any state, and it's basically the south, yeah. right? Yeah. Upstate New York yeah. is the south, right? Well, yeah. that's, I mean, that's another, that's a whole other podcast. That's a different podcast, I know. <laughs> because why do some people from the south have thick southern accent, right. accents, and some don't? Why do newscasters have no accent at right. all? I mean, they're told not to. They're right. told not to. Yeah. So. I thought they have like the Ohio standard. Isn't Ohio like the standard accent? For Parts America? of Ohio, but that's the thing too, because I moved to Ohio when I was 16. Right. There you go. When my mom got remarried, <laughs> and we went to Northwest Ohio, and my dad went to Detroit, and like I would go to my dad's, and I would come back and be like, I was at dad's, and I, I would have these strong A's, and I would talk like that. <laughs> And then, like, and I remember, like, somebody in high school was like, Alan, well, my name's Jazzy. And I was like, oh, Jazzy. And she's like, no, that's, that's gross. Not Jazzy. It's Jazzy. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so there's, like, strong accents in pockets of Ohio. But then I've been told, you know, maybe Central Ohio is that, like, the general the kind of voice. standard American that they can teach you. Mid-Atlantic. Mid-Atlantic. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, sometimes it sounds, if you like really do it, it's like no one talks like that. Right. Here. Though like a if 30s movie star. you go to like Edith Skinner, right. let's yeah. do the IPA of the standard yeah. amount. I was like, no, he talks like I that. Hear, I hear my accent when I'm tired. At, mm. when, on my O's, my New England. You know, like yeah. it, like when you say the word you know, confidence, I would it comes out, you know, confidence. Con, ah, con. Yeah, I love that accent. Oh, you do. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The New Hampshire accent yeah. is like I think the sharpest of the New England accents, right? The 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 Massachusetts accent, like the quintessential one, is a little hard to listen to. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I'm gonna get in trouble for this. <laughs> but the New Hampshire one is sort and the and the Vermont one is a little muted and, and Maine can be a little funky, but the New Hampshire one is I think the perfect New England accent. You just did it right there too. Uh, well, it's tricky. I, there's a lot of uh, French Canadian in in mm. my family, and we. I, my husband said something today. I was like, "Oh, that's how my family sounds." Where you add like an ere to the end of open vowels, <laughs> and it's interesting. Anyway, you're from Manchester, right? Yeah, I was born in Manchester. Essentially, yeah, essentially. Yeah. And we digress. <laughs> yeah, because this podcast. Is Sorry, about this is about me. Bonnie. Bonnie and while we're doing this, talking about ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Bonnie, could you step out? Thanks. Tell me more. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. sorry. We'll so be sorry. with you in a moment. <laughs> so you grew up singing, but you ended up studying drama, right? At yeah, it was um, acting focused. I grew up in a double wide trailer, and so we just didn't have much money. And so when it came to schools, you know, just I, I think it's interesting when you grow up without much, you like learn to put like the limitations on what you can do and you think well I can't do that and that's going to be debt and I can't do this and this and this because some people like now I think well then you'll find a way you can do loans but like you don't think of that right. you know when you don't have much um, and so Ohio State basically gave me like all my money and I kind of begrudgingly went I didn't want to go to a state school they didn't want you know I wanted to go be a musical theater actress and um and so, but I'm really glad I ended up there because, you know, it was this liberal arts, great big 10 school, um, and it was acting focused. And I kind of got to focus on, we did like Meisner and Stanislavski, and I had Shakespeare classes and, you know, a Tennessee Williams Chekhov class and like <laughs> stuff like that where you're like doing kind of everything, which was um, nice. 
And I bet it pays dividends, right, in, in all your work that you do. Yeah. Right? Going yeah. back to that training and having that serious acting foundation. Yeah, and they had a big emphasis in new works there, especially with their master's program, and they had 10 uh, master's students working alongside, and um, I kind of developed as you know, a new work creator and this big emphasis on collaboration and being, you know, open in a room and playing. And I think that kind of um, was really, that was always there, but it was definitely strengthened mm. at school, which was nice. Well, I have to say, if I can fangirl for a minute. Please. Um, I caught you in a performance of Jasper and Deadland. <gasps> oh, I at the, it was a, was a prospect theater, right? Yeah. Up on 86th Street. Uh, in 2014, mm -hmm. and I remember, um, you know, looking in the program afterwards and being like, okay, looking at you, okay, Bonnie Milligan, she's going places, right? Like, she's going to be a big deal, and lo and behold, Aww. four years later, um, and, a, you know, a lot of work and dedication under your belt, you are headlining a Broadway show, um, which is pretty incredible. I wonder if you could share with us what it felt like making your Broadway debut. You know, I've been with this show. We did the very first reading in May of 2014. Mm. So it's been a minute. And <laughs> it's when you're with something that keeps almost happening and then not happening and then almost it's a roller coaster. And it is such a role that it is like a breakout role for me that you're like, well, this, you know, I when I started this, I did not have an agent and I wasn't even equity. And so this was something that wasn't for lack of auditioning or trying. Like, you know, I'm a different type. I'm tall and big. And a lot of people, if they want a big girl, they want her short and round and a very specific look. And I was always too tall to be Tracy Turnblad. And, um, and I don't get seen for a lot. And so I was always kind of typed out of the room before I got into the room. And then <clears throat> the rooms I would get into, I'm not like... I'm a good mover, but I'm not like the best dancer, so I can only keep up so long, and they'd only see me for ensemble, and then mm. I couldn't keep up because like right. the dancers on Broadway are insanely beautiful and talented and all the things you want to be. Um, so it was that already was such a roller coaster of emotions of this thing that I had had so much hopes and dreams built into that I thought if it doesn't happen, it's not going to happen, and I at this point know that I'm put on this earth to do this and if what is meant to be will be and if it's not this then it's got to be something else and okay and we'll have to deal with whatever comes my way and keep trying. When that curtain rose and that first audience, I had so many friends there, uh, were just, my heart was like, I thought it was going to pound out of my chest and so many times. You had the beat, literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, I kept thinking, I need to be present. I need to take this in because they only get one first time ever. And But then the minute I would try to take it in too much, I'd be like, I'm going to burst into tears. I can't. So I'd be like, okay. So I kind of like went back and forth of being like super present and like be present as Pamela Bonnie, not Bonnie, you know. And, you know, at the end of Beautiful, my first big number, the applause was so long and loud and it brought tears to my eyes. I'm like holding my position, like doing a little bit of, like crying a little bit, but like, okay, <laughs> wipe, wipe, move on, like being the scene. So it was thrilling and hard to breathe and amazing.
and then opening night was an opening night, you know, and you have the the now the legacy robe ceremony and there's Brian Stokes Mitchell and I love Brian Stokes Mitchell and I've gone and seen him at the top of Carnegie Hall in the cheapest seats possible and saw him in Man of La Mancha when I visited the city with my mom and uh, went I think he played might have been Cafe Carlisle and he was singing Love for Sale and I accidentally rose my hand when he said who will buy my love like that you know and I'm like I'm so sorry like oh god so he laughed at me from the stage so and there he is at the Legacy Road ceremony and I'm just like I couldn't stop crying you know it was just beautiful and special and it took me a while to get here so it does not go um, past me how special and wonderful um, that we get to do this. So you've been along, you know, for the development of the show, like you said, for years. And, you know, Princess Pamela, I imagine, has been, you know, developed with you in the yes. room, right? It's been sort of tailor-made for your talents, which is an incredible, you know, <laughs> opportunity yeah. for you. Um, and you know, you've already alluded to the fact that, you know, very often you're sort of not seen for things because of your body type. Yeah. Um, and what I, and another thing I love about this show, which is all about celebrating, you know, self-love and, and identity, um, is that, you know, she is the most beautiful person right. in the land, right? And her size is not a punchline. Mm -mm. Her vanity is, right? <laughs> you know, that's, that's what makes the character yeah. funny, right? Yeah. Um, but I, th this show in so many ways, whether it's, you know, for people who have, you know, a different gender identity or, you know, body type, it has meant so much to the audience. Yes. And you can tell that when you're sitting in the Hudson yes. Theater, that there are people in the audience who this show really is cracking open their world a possibility of yeah. seeing representation on stage. What has it meant to you personally? I feel the responsibility of it and like the joy of getting to be able to do that. You know, we um, at the stage door meet so many amazing souls of people that, like you said, feel identified in many different ways that they've never seen themselves represented with tears in their eyes saying thank you and somebody saying you know I never understood that I, I thought I understood that representation matters but I never got it until I actually just saw myself on stage you walk into the room and the temperature falls the mood disappears chased away by the gathering storm that is here I look up painted sky full of memories and this house has no roof to shelter me it's an automatic rainy day when I see you it's the perfect these kids they've come literally like 30 times peppermint has started writing how many times like what number is this for you and she writes it on the top of the playbill oh, somebody's oh. at like 33 somebody's like i'm only at 24 and i'm just like only yeah right. the most i've ever seen a show is three times and there was two xanadu and disaster i know you told oh. me <laughs> oh wow truth so you, you saw that. our friend Jennifer over uh, there. Yes. Yeah. And then we got to do a reading together. When was we it? Did. August of 2017? Yeah. 
Is that right? That feels right. That feels right. Yeah. I got to be your mom. I was your mom. Dying when I heard you were doing it. Yeah. I died. I was was dying when I heard you. I was dying when I heard you because I stalked you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's even one of the questions. Like, you were really getting really well known on... Yeah. Uh, on the cabaret, cabaret scene and how, like, that voice, that voice. And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I was really excited as well. Two very talented ladies in the room. What Did you did you do cabaret before, in addition to everything else you've done? I think it was January 2014 when I did one concert at 54 Below. It was one of those um, compilation concerts where it was lots of different composers doing, like, a song for something. And I did an Adam Guan number. And I had done a couple of concerts before then, but I hadn't, like, taken off in the circuit. And we were just rehearsing, and I was, you know, mixing it, because we are just learning it. And they're like, well, it's too pretty. I don't want... Th-. And I was like, oh, I'll belt it. You want me to... I'll belt it. And it was like, you know, E's and F's. And so <laughs> it was kind of absurd, because everybody's like, da-da-da. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> but then from... I had, like, two lines, like, two little maybe three bar, you know, moments. But from that concert, there's a bunch of composers that all of a sudden, they're like, who are you? It was a little overwhelming, but then it like took off from there. And then I started doing everybody's shows and concerts. And I was about to leave for the Kinky Boots tour. And um, Jen Tepper was like, you need to do a show here. So then I did my own show um, before I left called Belting Bonnie's Bon Voyage. Wow, <laughs> did you enjoy it? I did. Yeah. It was something that um, when I started, like, you know, I was so worried. And then as soon as I started, I was like, oh, I meant to do stuff like this. I like this. You were this that feels... little girl again, right? Yes. This feels right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you sing songs you had to learn or did you sing, sing things that you, you already I picked knew? a lot of stuff I knew. My, um, my MD was Andy Einhorn. He helped me piece the whole thing together because he's like, we got to pick stuff you know that you love. You get three options of like whatever you want, screw whatever the audience would want, whatever you want, and the rest, like what would a fan of yours want? And he like helped me piece the whole thing together and it was so fun. Like I, I sang a lot of stuff that, you know, I, I loved already and a lot of, um, I don't know if I learned anything. What were the three songs you sang for yourself? I did a little like a Doris Day um, we ended up doing like a little mashup um, of You Made Me Love You mm. and uh, Church Hop. You did Church Hop? And I did Church Hop. <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> right. My other one, which actually fit into what somebody would want from me, um, was It's All Coming Back to Me Now, Celine Dion. Mm. But I reversed um, the meaning, so the thought of it all disgusted her. Huh. And then. <laughs> <laughs> What was my other one that was like a must? I think it was actually uh, one of the songs that uh, his partner wrote with Dick Scanlon, a song called Wildflowers. Fabulous. And, um, Are you a Doris Day fan? Yes. <gasps> so am I. Love. Love. Everybody Love's a lover, I'm a lover Everybody loves me Anyhow, that's how I feel Wow, 
Just like a Pollyanna, I should worry not for nothing. Everybody loves me, yes they do, and I love everybody since I fell in love with you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. What's your favorite Doris Day film? Top two. Okay. <laughs> Top that's two. I love Move Over Darling. Oh, that's I interesting. Do. I just That's do. really interesting. Mm-hmm. Are you a Polly Bergen fan? She's great. Yes. Yeah. I love Move Over Darling and I love like the film, all of it. Um, and I, I mean, there's different categories that the Doris films. Well, you you say, know? so I'm personally a fan of, of Doris in Peril. So I like the Doris Day oh, movies like where Midnight she Lace. Was, oh my God, I love you. <laughs> Nobody knows that film. Man Who Knew Too Much. Well, yes, those are the two yes. Doris Day and Peril those movies. Are the Peril the subgenre. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Extent, Glass Bottom Boat. I mean, she's a little bit, she's a, there's a little bit of stuff yeah. in that. Midnight Lace, I think, is one of the greatest bad movies ever made. Yeah. I, I truly feel that way. So if you, it, it's out there on DVD. I have, a, I have all these weird, like, South American and Croatian copies of movies that are hard to get. <laughs> I and, used to, like, get my, uh, my, uh, Allowance, and I would go on eBay and get like movies of hers. Yeah. And I went on IMDb and I printed out every movie she'd ever done, and I wanted to collect them all. Oh my god! Um, because I got like a gift from my mom for I think Mother's Day or her birthday or something, and she talked about Doris Day once, and so I bought her. I want to say it was not Send Me No Flowers. What's her other? The Thrill of It All. The Thrill of It All Another James Garner film. A fantastic film. And I got her that VHS. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, I love this. And she was so funny. And then I read about her, and she has, like, this amazing story. And she was from Cincinnati, Ohio, and she was going to be a dancer. Mm -hmm. And they were on their way. She was, like, 12, and they were going to do, like, a ballroom dancing competition. And she was with her friends going to the away party. They were going to California. And their car got struck by a train, and her legs, like, shattered. And she was told she would never walk again. And she started singing with the radio. And then she became a singer. And then she got into an abusive relationship and all this crazy stuff. And then she was kind of forced into acting because she was so beautiful and she had this beautiful voice and she was like her life was falling apart and she, she didn't like want to ruined her audition because she was like I'm a mess she'd had a child she'd sent home to Ohio because she was trying to get out of this relationship and then like fell into movies and became like one of the most celebrated box office draws you know your Doris Day I I'm do. impressed well and you know it's funny because I think she 
as you said, she wasn't, she didn't want to be an actor necessarily. It wasn't yeah. a lifelong dream. And I think the misleading thing about Doris Day is what an incredible actress an she incredible really was. Incredible actress, yeah. And I think that's evident in her comedy. Comedy, as you know, because you do comedy very, very well, it's tough. Yeah. And I think it's it. You get you get misunderstood as uh, as how good you are. Because it seems so easy, and yeah. and as you know, the stuff you do in Head Over Heels, it's like you're throwing lines away, but you're not, <laughs> not at all. Thanks. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you for going down Doris yes. Lane with me. Anytime, that was, uh, I'm, anytime. I'm a yeah. I'm I, I'm such a big fan. I actually own the complete Doris Day show. Which I is, do too. Do you really? Oh my! All oh, five seasons. We're yes. Meant to be. Yes. It, it's, it's, it's never the same show in no, any. No, and all of a sudden season. she didn't have kids at the end. Yeah. You're like, what's going on? It's, yeah, no, I've got it's it. It's wackadoo. Oh, that's funny. I've actually very few people know Midnight Lace. I'm, I'm, an, I'm. You've impressed. I need me. to look it up. Right off and the I'm, You're I'm welcome. A, with Rex Harrison. Ooh. Oh, Rex Harrison. It's and Myrna like Loy. Gaslights her. It's <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, she's like someone's trying to kill her. But it's Myrna Loy. It's the beautiful John Gavin. I mean, we we should probably leave it there. And, and That's just a different go, podcast. Just go find. Say, right? the, yeah, do you want to do the Doris Day podcast, podcast with right? me? I do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. And I have to say, right before you went into Head Over Heels, I remember one of your social media posts, and at the end of it, you said, I'm ready. And I, from my living room couch, now, you know, I knew you by then, and yeah. I mean, my grin went from ear to ear. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, she is. I was just so excited for Aww. you. What an amazing, Thanks. you know, time this has been. And, um, Again, I don't. I think we'll see you again in the spring if I have anything to say about it. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I say kudos to the producers who I think have kept the show open longer than oh, probably sure. most producers would have, right? For and sure. it's testament to their belief in the material yes. and the way it has resonated with certain audiences who don't yeah. always get that representation. Um, as it does sort of wind down, um, looking back on uh, your three-year journey with the show, what um, what a what has it taught you? Oof. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> there are things I can't get into. <laughs> but <laughs> it has, oh gosh, I feel like I've learned so much. I've learned um, to speak up for myself in a lot of ways um, beyond, like, for like Bonnie as a human. Um, and it has taught me a lot about um, trusting myself and my gut and um, my, my ability, you know, to, to think, oh, I have something here to offer and that that's okay to say and that's okay to believe in. If people don't know, doing eight shows a week on Broadway is exhausting. Oh, my God. And I'm sure that was a revelation. To Fact. You. Yes. Fact. Um, do you have any plans to heal your body and uh, soul a little bit? Oh, coming yes. Up? I just came from the doctors okay. to come to you right now. And it was the first time he didn't order an MRI after. I was very excited. Right. <laughs> Small victories. I'm in therapy for like my back, my leg, my feet. My like rotator cuff is a mess. My costumes are very heavy. Mm. I think I had this idea that when you do eight shows a week, you still have like your day and you just have to show up and do this show and mm. you'll be fine. And wow, like it, there's just so much 
there's so many other elements and so much just staying healthy and um, physically okay to do the show, which this is a very physical show, an emotionally taxing show, all the things to... Um, and you're repeating the same thing every night, so yes. those injuries uh, yes. have a hard time Compounded, healing. Right? Yeah, yeah, like Compounded, my knees yeah. are kind of rough right now, and the doctor, we were talking, because I was like, he's going to order MRI on my knee. I feel it, like, because I'm going to have to bring up how much pain I was in yesterday. And he's, but I collapse on my knees at the end of my mat scene, yes. you know? Oh my gosh. And it's a mattress, but I'm still putting my whole body down on my knees eight times a week. It, it reminds me of how people always say, like, oh, well, teachers, they, they have the summer off. You know, it's like actors, they, they, they have the day off, right? They, they yeah. just work at night. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. you have no idea all lies, all what lies. goes into, you know, that performance. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, what really excites me about Head Over Heels um, is that it's been announced that it will be licensed for um, community well, theater and, and, you know, high schools and colleges around the country. So I have a feeling we're about to see a bevy of productions of I Head Over Heels. So. I hope so. I imagine people are chomping at the bit. Um, so you have now created this role in Broadway. You will always be the original Princess Pamela. Yay. And there's a cast <laughs> recording, which is so exciting. Uh, that yes. They, they did that. Um, do you have any advice for future Princess Pamelas? Maybe I mean, wear knee pads or, you know. Wear knee pads. <laughs> you know, uh, bring, I just, I, I would love to see all the different takes on her, you know, mm-hmm. just bringing yourself to her. And just, um, I think you can fall down a hole of, being a brat, and I don't think that's Pamela. Mm. There's, I've striven to do a lot for her that's not necessarily on the page. Um, that is making her, you know, I, you have to listen to her lyrics as her truth. So when she says, um, you may think I'm crazy, so what if I am? My head is full of good things, enough for everyone. I take that as her truth. So I take that as her, she wants good for everyone. And when she says to her sister, you know, from a boundless love, I have to tell you the truth. Like, you're plain. Because her sister just said, I want, I, I don't need a lot of suitors. I would just like one. And it's like, oh my God, okay, it's time to talk. You have to curl your hair. You'll have to put on some makeup. You'll have to get a better dress, is what she's saying. But you can look it on the page and she's calling her plain, you know. But like, no, she says a boundless love. She loves her. And this is tough love time. So it's like, you gotta fix this if you want anyone. Look at me. And look at you. Well, and your I context have more is to oppressive, work with. right? Yeah. I have an oppressive context. I have to keep up with the standards because I'm gorgeous. And you have to try harder. So it's taking that as like not making her some superficial brat, but someone who is really awful tactics, who really cares about it's like, you know, that the trickiness of like why people love like Karen Walker on Will and Grace. You know, that there's gotta be some heart underneath all these like heinous things she says. So that would be my piece of advice is like don't fall down the you just you have to find ways to like she's saying things but with like such love or just doesn't understand. So sincere. It's so you have to be so sincere. <laughs> Super sincere. Because no one will care about her. I think that's another thing I've like learned is like to embrace my beauty and you know not apologize for like myself or taking up space or like trying to like explain why I'm somewhere, which is so much of the scripts and everything I receive, mm. which is something hard to get out of your head when you're given that all the time. Like you're like, no, just stand tall and proud in beauty. The days that I've felt really bad about myself and I have to find the self-love to get on stage and sing about how pretty I am as kind of healing, which is nice. Is there something you would 
want to teach Pamela if you could? I mean, <laughs> tact, but she, <laughs> you know, but it's lovable. So <laughs> she wouldn't be Pamela. Come on, See, that's what I like about her. She just says it like it is, it's true. which I think is it's maybe true. I don't have tact either. So maybe that's why I respond to <laughs> yeah. it. You're a Pamela. No, I love her. Yeah. I love the arc that she takes of like learning to take in, you know, to like truly loving people in a different, more productive way than she believes she is doing. Um, mm. That's nice. That's yeah, good. she does actually grow. She does. She does. They, well, they all do, which is nice. Yeah. That line at the end, actually, like, to draw a circle, one must end where one begins. And who um, resembles any of the fools that began on the journey? No one is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think we leave it there. Yeah. That's perfect. Yay. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Rob here with You May Be Wondering. Head Over Heels closes January 6th after 188 performances on Broadway. The show will be long remembered, though, for making history. I alluded to it a little bit, but just in case you missed it, you might be wondering, how? Well, believe it or not, Head Over Heels was the first Broadway show to feature a principal role played by a performer who identifies as a trans woman. Peppermint, the runner-up of RuPaul's Drag Race's ninth season, plays Pythio the Oracle, a self-described non-binary plural who goes by the pronoun they. Indeed, much of the story centers around its characters exploring their gender and sexuality to live as their authentic selves. Not to steal Peppermint's thunder, but celebrated trans activist and performer Justin Vivian Bond, who uses the pronoun V, can actually hold claim to being the first actor who identifies as transgender to play a trans character on a Broadway stage. That's because V starred as Anna Madrigal in a one-night-only benefit concert of the musical adaptation of Auberstead Maupin's Tales of the City in March 2017. I was fortunate to be in the audience that night and to witness that important slice of history. Peppermint is the first trans performer, though, to play a trans role for an open-ended run. People often muse that you know you've made progress when something that was once noteworthy becomes matter-of-fact. Like, for example, the idea of a woman running for president. We'll likely have several running in 2020. Mere months after Peppermint's debut, Alexandra Billings, whom you may know from the TV show Transparent, played the irreverently named transgender mafioso Waxy Bush in Richard Bean's comedy The Nap. Seemingly overnight, Broadway went from zero representation of trans people on stage to two principal characters in two separate shows. Meanwhile, off-Broadway, in plot points in our sexual development at Lincoln Center Theater's LCT3 program, Jax Jackson, a trans woman, played Theo, a, quote, transmasculine, genderqueer person who is not a woman and is not a man, but is kind of a man who loves lesbian jokes, end quote. And I'm sure there are tons of other examples I could cite. That's because more and more trans and non-binary actors are getting the opportunity to play trans and non-binary characters on stage, as both of these communities increasingly become part of the scene fabric of American society. Diversity in the theater means creating more opportunities for theater makers of every race, gender identity, age, ability, and body type. As we say goodbye to Head Over Heels, let's make sure we always remember the milestones it marked.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.